Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 25 of Music is Not a Genre, MXG. That was almost perfect. People, if you are only listening and not watching, you need to go to my YouTube channel, which I'll give you in a second, and just see the absolute uh, artistry of my hand movements. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. Uh, Don't forget you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Please watch and subscribe at youtube.com slash at music is not a genre. My website is nickdomadio.com where you get uh, this podcast and much, much, much more. And then, of course, always please listen to and support my band Rec, R-E-C, at recarea.bandcamp.com. I'm going to get right to this week's deal because it's... Again, it's monumental. I feel like lately I've been picking topics that are almost overwhelming. There's been a, there was a lot of research done here by my team, which is me, and I was thrown for a while because I didn't realize how deep this would go. And so uh, rather than tease you anymore, let me tell you what the topic is. Of course, you've probably seen the graphic, and that is TV music, where everybody knows your theme. So before I start, I'm going to give uh, just a few disclaimers, all right? Uh, Just so you know where I'm coming with this and what the parameters are, the criteria, et cetera, et cetera, what I'm talking about, TV theme songs and TV music in general, the music used in television, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, there has to be a limit, obviously. So I'm going to give you disclaimers. I'm going to do it in a TV announcer voice. Disclaimer one, I am personally a huge fan of television, more so than movies, second only to music, so there may be a bias here, and that makes me crazy. Disclaimer two, this is generally just shows in the United States. It would be way too overwhelming to consider shows from other countries, although I do mention a show or two from other English-speaking countries. Disclaimer three... These are only songs, well, let me say it this way. I will be discussing primarily TV theme songs. And to me, the criteria there is that they had to have been written specifically for the show. I will be doing honorable mentions of songs that were pre-existing and then used as theme songs because I think some of those are extremely effective and iconic in many ways, but when I vote, and I will vote, and it won't be very uh, limited, but I will vote, it will be mostly, if not all, for songs written specifically for the films. And disclaimer for the total number of shows ever in the United States is somewhere in the area of 15,000. Please don't check that number, because I have no idea if it's accurate. Total number of themes listed on uh, the Wikipedia It's about 1,300, which, of course, is nowhere near the actual amount of themes, but those are the themes that were noted, which is way more than we can talk about here today. Right now, there are about 600 shows in the U.S. being produced just this year, as opposed to a little over a decade ago, the maximum was around 200. So you can imagine how many shows there are and how overwhelming that is Why do I say this? Because I'm going to miss a lot. And those are my disclaimers. 
And and that's true. I'm going to miss a lot. You know, I, I have a pretty comprehensive list here of some of the notable theme songs from the kind of 1940s straight up through till pretty much today. But even in compiling it, I, I would go back and say, oh, I forgot this one. So if that was happening right up until me recording this, you know there are things that I've left out already. So let's start by saying this. It, it may seem simple. What is a theme song? And where did theme songs begin? Second part first, I don't know. I looked it up. And if someone's done a, done a you know research on this, wrote a paper, some kind of history, whatever, there's nowhere online that says... Uh, theme songs began, uh, you know, in this decade or in this century. What I did find, and some things that I kind of gathered myself just from my own, you know, music knowledge and having studied music in school, is that they seem to have stemmed from the idea of, of course, introducing a show. So you might think of something like an overture, whether that's for you know, the beginning of an opera or a musical or some type of a show like that. They also uh, are related to, and I think stemmed in part from leitmotifs, which are, you know, uh, themes, basically, for a certain character in a story, in in, in an opera or, or some other thing you expect. Like, think of uh, Peter and the Wolf and, and uh, the, you know, classical composer who wrote that. His name escapes me. And every character in that story was represented by uh, a melody and, you know, very distinctive melody and rhythm played by a certain instrument, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm sure there were introductory songs in vaudeville. So, you know, pre, certainly pre-TV and in some ways pre-radio. And then, of course, yes, radio shows had introductory songs. And, you know, around the 1930s and 40s especially, you had film companies developing to the point where when sound came, they had their own theme songs. Think of the 20th Century Fox uh, you know, theme that you hear at the beginning of movies was composed in 1933, actually for another film, I believe, by Alfred Newman and then became the company theme. And then, of course, you had short films along with those films, often animated, such as the Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, Merry Melodies. Those are iconic themes. You know, all that stuff. And that's the great Carl Stalling. I've talked about him before. I may or may not do a podcast or at least something on him at some point because the music for all those cartoons was just amazing. But really, the concept of a theme song didn't fully take hold until the 1950s. And so to me, I think theme songs in general are a mix or some combination of leitmotif, an overture, uh, a narrative song when you're bringing words into it, and uh, and even a kid's or sing-along song, you get the sense throughout the decades even that a lot of these songs, depending on the type of show it is, have that kind of sing-along quality. I mean, you can think of here, people who aren't watching or only listening. I have a small uh, you know, setup here. Featuring music, uh, CDs, music from the Brady Bunch, The Simpsons, South Park, SpongeBob, only because those are the only TV show, uh, you know, soundtracks or whatever I have. And, you know, if you're going to get real technical, the, some of these are actually movie CDs, but 
these are shows that, you know, that started as TV shows. So I thought, ah, close enough. Yeah, and I do feel like there is a lot of that kind of kiddie feel to it for some things. And so, let me get into the decades, starting with the 1940s, sort of. There wasn't all that much going on in television in the 1940s, but there were some things, things transitioning from radio. And I'm going to do it this way. I've separated them into full songs, meaning songs with words, and then instrumentals. And then in each of those sections, if there are any, I will do honorable mentions, which to me means, again, songs that were not written specifically for the show, but were used as a theme and became iconic because of that. So, 1940s, again, lots of transitions from radio. You had shows that would eventually be produced with visuals on television, uh, popular radio shows. Some of them, you know, worked out and were successful, some weren't. And the only full theme song that I'm going to note, which I believe started in 1947 on TV, uh, was Howdy Doody. And so let's think about that. And I'm not going to comment on this for every single thing because there's so many here. But I do want to make this point first off. And that is that we're talking about a show that either that you know you either haven't seen in decades or maybe never saw that is you know creeping up on 80 years old right and yet many of us who are even way younger than the show itself can still sing some of that theme it's howdy duty time da, 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 you know and that's amazing that to me it means that that that's a song that has made that much of an impression and maybe you saw so many episodes or whatever it is, or it's been repeated in other forms throughout, you know, different arts and media that you still remember it. And that's going to pop up a lot for a lot of these. The only instrumental I'll mention for the forties is actually an honorable mention. And it is the William Tell overture. Lone Ranger theme, the Lone Ranger. Uh, I mean, Again, way before my time, and yet I'm sure there were reruns on TV, and it's a song that certainly people knew long before The Lone Ranger, but when that came along, it burned into everybody's brain. You know, crazy, right? So then we get to the 1950s, and this is really where, again, the idea of theme songs took hold. I mean, they were shaping television as they went along, as as happens with most forms of art and new technologies and you know we're smart enough to realize that nine times out of ten you're going to need some kind of a theme song or at least something that leads people into the visual there were much more instrumentals in the 1950s than there were full-out songs so you're going to see a big divide here and again like i said i may be missing a bunch of things and i would love for you to comment and tell me ah how could you have forgotten such and such from this decade I want all of that. So the full songs, uh, Mickey Mouse Club, that talk about a kid's sing-along, and obviously it was a kid's show, but who's the leader of the club? And then uh, Rawhide. Um, Get him up, move him out. I don't remember the exact, you know, Rawhide. I don't remember the exact words, but that is technically, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, mostly music, but it did have words to it and probably more words than I ever knew because I never saw the show. And then you have the instrumentals in the 50s, 
uh, okay. I have some of these in bold to mention that they are my favorites. And then at the end, I'm going to go over my favorite favorites, my ultimate favorites. But right off the bat, Twilight Zone. I mean, you're talking about this avant-garde composition and television. And I think this is fairly true of film. But television in particular uh, kind of gives a wide berth to the kinds of music that you can experiment with, that you can incorporate. And you'll see that pop up several times throughout this talk. But right off the bat, to me, Twilight Zone was one of the first, I think, highly experimental theme songs. And again, you, you know, it's in your head. I don't, you know, remember the last time I saw an episode. And then the Andy Griffith show. <laughs> that was used in the 80s as a backdrop for a hip hop song. I cannot remember the, I want to say it was the band Triple Threat, but I don't know. So it kind of had a resurgence then. But again, I, I never watched that show, but I know the theme. Uh, Peter Gunn which I did an episode a season ago or so on crime jazz. And this was included in there. And then again, you're talking about some pretty progressive music when you consider that at the time, this type of jazz hadn't been around very long. And, and there's that certain kind of brassy, slightly ominous, uh, slightly forward moving, maybe even aggressive feel or, or, or haunting in some ways to specifically crime jazz. And if you can find those compilations I talked about in the previous podcast about that, please do. There's uh, it's two, two albums of that. Peter Gunn is dun, 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 you know, I mean, Henry Mancini, who's, who did so many theme songs from the fifties through at least the eighties. I don't know what he did past that theme wise, but definitely had some pretty big ones, even in the eighties and in between and did film and all that stuff. And, you know, he used to be the, the conductor for the Oscars, et cetera, et cetera. But this Peter Gunn theme was, I think one of his first like real splashes of fame, uh, Bonanza, Again, you know, that is, I marked it down as one of my favorites, but only because, again, I can't get it out of my head, you know, and that one did have words, but apparently the words were either not really used in the theme or used only once or something like that. People wrote them after the fact. I think Lorne Green sang them or something. Uh, Then you have American Bandstand, originally in Philadelphia when it went national, uh, it, it had that kind of swing feeling bandstand, bandstand, you know, uh, that, that, um, what you call a uh, theme, sorry. And the famous one, the real famous one was in the seventies, Barry Manilow re-recorded it. And that stuck through until I think it ended. And, uh, yeah, I can hear his voice in my head when I think of that song, uh, Dragnet, to me, that theme is like the precursor to the Law and Order theme. I think Dragnet is technically considered to be the precursor to the Law and Order in so many ways because the 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 doorknob, you know, created all that. And yeah, that's bias. Uh, really loved that show and kind of the black and whiteness of the uh, you know morals and ethics on that show. The Dragnet, iconic. I love Lucy. Technically didn't have words. Then they were written, but they were never really used. Perry Mason. And then 
I'll throw in this one because cartoon theme songs are going to pop up again and again, and that's Woody Woodpecker. Na 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 na. Uh, I probably heard that hundreds of times as a kid because I used to watch that as many uh, part of the cartoon suite that I would watch as a kid. And yeah, like I said, I probably missed a ton in the fifties. Please tell me, but those are the ones that I feel are pretty iconic. And some of these, you're going to notice I'll mention a show that to us was more popular in the next decade, but it started in the decade before. And I'm going to start there just because that's when the show started, assuming that's also when the theme song started. There's a couple exceptions to that. So getting into the 1960s, to me, this is the decade where they nailed the instrumentals, where the 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 probably more than any other decade, the most iconic instrumental theme songs. And honestly really developed and got to a point where they understood, at least at the time, what the purpose of a full-on song with words was. I think I saw one website saying it's the explain the premise idea. So you tell the story of what this show is about. Uh, And you'll see a lot of shows that are, I guess, we're on competing networks like Adam's Family and Monsters that pop up here as, you know, or Bewitched and I, I Dream of Genie, you know, uh, contrasts or whatever. And then, yeah, for flat-out songs that were only meant to be themes for TV shows, we're not really meant to have a life beyond that, this decade takes the cake. Everything exploded. And uh, again, yes, for instrumentals, I think as well, because they were just insanely jazzy or insanely uh, creative, you know. Going to full songs, uh, A Horse is a Horse, of course, of course, Mr. Ed uh is just one of the first of that kind of you know story song in a sense or even not so much the story but just this is what this is about this character then you get to the story which is Gilligan's Island which there was a recent article in Rolling Stone I think last November they did the 100 greatest theme songs and this one tied for number 2 the Gilligan's Island theme tied for number 2 does it right back and you'll hear a tale you know, and then you have the duel, bam, one-two punch of the Jetsons and the Flintstones, two of my favorites. Meet George Jetson and then Flintstones. Meet the, you know, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know if I have to sing some of these to you because you probably, they probably pop into your head the minute I say the name of the show. I don't know. Uh, and then Beverly Hillbillies was another story song. Um, Adam's Family was more the character song, like Mr. Ed, like they're creepy and they're kooky. Like, let's just describe the characters. Uh, Similar thing, the monkeys, which to me, to me, again, that's one which I believe was also a hit song. You're starting to see a trickle of theme songs that have a life outside of television that are so good or or so beloved that they enter the charts. And the monkeys is, you know, got to be one of the first, if not the first, just right up there. Uh, and then, of course, this one later in the 60s, uh, we can, you may associate it with the 70s, but Brady Bunch did start in the late 60s. This was the other tie for number two on Rolling Stone's list of greatest TV theme songs ever. And it's sort of a no brainer. I mean, I don't know. Look, there are plenty of people who will probably say they hate the song or they say tired of it or whatever, but that means they know it, right? But most people have kind of a soft spot for this. And quite a bit of the music from here, pointing to the Brady Bunch, 
like it's a sunshine day and when it's time to change and all that stuff, uh, you can probably recite at least some of the lyrics and picture that tic-tac-toe board in the front. And then, damn, Sesame Street. There's there's a perfect example of a show that had a ton of crossover hits, a ton of hits that entered the charts. And this is ostensibly a kid's show, but anybody who knows Sesame Street knows better than that, that it's more than just that. And even though there have been many versions of the sunny days, sweeping the clouds, uh, it started in the late 60s. And, you know, again, most of us can sing at least part of that. Uh, Mr. Rogers, I don't think this was his original. It might have been, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And I believe he wrote that. And then I'm putting Batman in the, this section with lyrics because... They repeat Batman. I don't know if technically, you know, that's enough lyrics for it to qualify. Maybe it should be in the instrumentals. But come on. You you have to know almost the way you might know the music from Jaws or Twilight Zone. Those few notes. You know, you must know that. Right. And then Green Acres never saw the show. But it's very, again, that's to me is like Beverly Hillbillies Green Acres. The duel, you know, competing or whatever. Green Acres is the place for me. I know that I, that I think that's all I know. And Scooby started in the late 60s. And I know Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? I'm sure a lot of us know that, right? Uh and this is going to be weird, but I have to do it because I'm from Philadelphia. The honorable mention in full songs with words is a show called Captain Noah and His Magical Ark. It was a local kid show that I watched probably any morning it was on when I was a, a young kid. And there were songs on there, and I don't think these were necessarily considered theme songs, but they were, uh, you know, one of them at least was pre-existing. And the main, it's the main one. It's called I Can Sing a Rainbow. Red and yellow and pink and green, purple and orange and blue. I can sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow. Uh, listen with your eyes and hear everything you see. You know, it's like synesthesia, you know, before anybody even knew what it was. Uh, and then send your pictures to dear old Captain Noah was later on, of course. It was like when they opened the mailbag, I guess. You know, how many shows did that? Blues Clues and, um, you know, the, the, what's his name? Uh, PJ. Ah, oh, man, I can't believe him. Pee Wee Herman. And a lot of people apparently showed up on this show. I did not know it was that well known. Elvis was once on the show. Uh, the Philly Fanatic, the mascot for the Phillies, was on this show. In fact, publicly debuted. You, you know, first time the public saw the Philly Fanatic was on the Captain Noah show. Weird aside, thanks for bearing with me. If there are Captain Noah fans out there, I want to hear from you uh, and no one else. If you're not a Captain Noah fan, just don't even bother commenting. Uh, instrumentals. So, I Dream of Genie. It was not the original uh, theme for the show, but the no one really remembers what the original theme was. You couldn't, I couldn't hum it. But if you think of da da. I mean, iconic, just iconic. Uh, I once wrote a song. It was a hip hop song and recorded it way back. The one of the main themes of that was a riff on this. It wasn't identical in any way, but it you could sense some of it in there. And then Bewitched. Get Smart. And again, more crime jazz. Uh, the Munsters. Now. Here we're getting into just iconic beyond iconic, legendary, whatever word you could think of that's more of a superlative, Hawaii Five-0. 
if I had to list, and I'm not even sure I can, my top 10, Hawaii Five-0 is always going to be in there. Whatever version. And there were several versions. But A, I love horn sections. And B, just when you think, and then the the the, the um, flutes come in. Yeah, just amazing. Just, uh, I love the energy of it, etc. Uh, Mission Impossible is another one. And an, again, experimental because you're talking about a song in five four time dun 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 uh and jazzy like the whole thing it's a version of crime jazz in its own way really and then star trek not counting the ooze as words not every version of it had the female choir singing that so and that's not really a word it's a vocalization but again that stood the test of time through all changes in the franchise. Every now and then you'll hear pieces of it even in the new ep- uh, seasons, a new um, uh, series. I'm going to mention Doctor Who, British again, but w- one of the first well-known fully electronic songs, I believe written by a woman. And... And there have been so many versions of that, of course, but that very first one was electronic, like from the very beginning. And it's shows like that, like Twilight Zone, Doctor Who, Star Trek, that allow composers to get more experimental because the theme, the uh, subject matter is experimental, you know. Uh, Dick Van Dyke Show, uh, Johnny Carson, you know, uh, The Tonight Show had plenty of themes, but when Doc Severinsen and whatever and... Uh, I I forget who wrote that. I want to say it was, was it Paul Anka? I don't remember. Uh, Still, it would be hard pressed, even though I loved Letterman's theme and there have been a couple of others. It'd be hard pressed to find a better opening theme to a talk show than the Johnny Carson theme. Honorable mention here uh, is the Olympics theme. Again, wasn't originally for the Olympics and there have been a lot of versions since the late 60s, I believe. It was 68, maybe. It was the first time it debuted by a French composer named Leo Arnaud. And, you know, dun, 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 like that, you know, burned into my brain as a kid and has been through so many things. Now, I know it was replaced, was it in the 80s probably, with one that went, which I think was uh, John Williams, also a wonderful song. Uh, let's get to the 1970s and let me make an, I'll make a note here actually when we get there. This to me is the decade of theme songs that transcended the shows that could stand alone without even knowing they were from a show. Many of these songs charted as hits. I think this is the most uh, comprehensively, artistically successful decade for theme songs. When you consider the breadth and the depth of what was written simply to be the theme to a TV show and how far some of these themes went into the culture, into, you know, again, the charts and into the artistry, I think this decade stands at the top for that. It might not be the top of you know, most comprehensively memorable or, you know, nailing the song as a song. That would be, I think, 60s. But as far as the artistry and transcending the shows, it really is the 70s. Uh, you've got full songs with words. Again, Mary Tyler Moore, All in the Family. 
which of course uh, inspired this. Uh, I don't have it. Uh, fam- family Guy, many, many decades later. Uh, the Jeffersons was voted number one by Rolling Stone, and I'm not going to dispute that. That song is absolutely incredible. Moving on up the east side, Deluxe Apartment in the Sky. I mean, I know, I think, all of the words to that long version of that, and it's a song that I would enjoy even if I didn't watch that show and didn't know it was part of a show. Uh, Happy Days, of course. Basically like, what if Grease were a TV show? And the theme song reflects that. Laverne and Shirley, uh, iconic, just iconic. Same with Good Times. Same with Wonder Woman. Same with Welcome Back, Cotter, written by the guy from Love and Spoonful, John Sebastian, who's a New York native. And and talk about a song that doesn't need the show. Even though I did watch that show and enjoy it. You know, John Travolta and all that, Gabe Kaplan. Um, that, that song just can stand alone by itself. Uh, Beretta is not one that a lot of people know, but this is in my top faves. It was recorded by many artists, but there's a version by Sammy Davis Jr. that everybody should hear. And it's called Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow. Uh, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Don't do it. You know, keep your eye on the sparrow. Uh, amazing song. Um, to me an amazing song in the same way that the Jefferson's theme is an amazing song Uh, The Love Boat Kitsch, right? The entire thing was Kitsch I think Jack Jones sang it and the song was perfect for that show it was just simply perfect for that show there's no other way to say it and even if it it does like travel over into Yacht Rock and kind of cheesiness and I'll be talking a little more about Jumping the Shark because we're getting to that decade as far as the themes. It's still one of the greats. Schoolhouse Rock, to me, uh, it's not even so much the theme there, even though I do remember some of that theme. It's the fact that the entire show was you know, teaching through music and some of those songs have just majorly stood the test of time. So I had to mention it. But one that does qualify in spades is the Muppet show and the, the, you know, dun, 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 whether you're doing the instrumental version or you're t- doing the, uh, it's time to get things started on the Muppet show tonight with the words, either way, absolutely amazing. Brilliant. Brilliant. Meant to be kind of a throwback. It was the whole show was sort of meant to be almost like a vaudevillian variety show throwback. Uh, three's company, like, like smarmy and absolutely wonderful. But I guess earlier than that, and these are in no particular order when it comes to the decade, uh, within the decade, Partridge Family. I think the original song, it was the same exact melody and music, but the lyrics were when we're singing instead of to make you happy or come on, get happy. And that's that's just a, that's such a great song. It actually does what it says that, it, you know, it's meant to do. It makes you happy when you hear it. Uh, it takes different strokes. Move the World, uh, WKRP, it's got to be one of the tops. And if it didn't reference the actual, you know, uh, radio station, WKRP in Cincinnati, and if you somehow changed that, that's another song that could absolutely stand alone. Um, Facts of Life, that's very much a story song. Dukes of Hazard. I mean, Waylon Jennings sang it. 
just a good old boys, you know, and uh, whatever, you know, controversy or however you feel about that show, that was actually a very well regarded song. One Day at a Time, same thing. And I think some version of that was used in its various incarnations throughout the years. The honorable mention here is The Courtship of Eddie's Father, which was uh, Bill Bixby starred. There was a song in the early 70s, I want to say it's from Harry Nilsson called People Let Me Tell You About My Best Friend. And I remember the song as that theme song more than I remember the show itself. If I even, I'm sure I saw some of it. Instrumentals from the 1970s. MASH. Now, let me be careful here because A, I believe this was also in the movie. B, there were actually words written for this. And I heard that Robert Altman asked his son to write the absolute worst words you could think of for a song. And it was called Suicide is Painless. And I've heard full versions of people singing this, like acoustically and stuff like that. Uh, was it on the show? I don't remember. But the da na 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 like just the actual uh, instrumental version is the one that was used as a theme. And it's, again, iconic. Um, Sanford and Son, A, watch the show if you don't know, you know, Red Fox and all that. And B, go find this theme song. Cause it'll, it'll get you moving. It's just, it's awesome. So will the theme to what's happening again, again, uh, a song that could stand on its own. So many of these in this decade could SWAT. It's an excellent example of what crime jazz sounded like in the seventies. This crime jazz has continued through really to this day in many ways. Uh, but primarily, you know, 40s 50s straight up through at least the, the 80s at least uh, that's an absolute truth uh charlie's angels great theme fantasy island both you know may not be top 100 but i do re- recall them fondly and they did set the tone right so did the theme to dallas which i think is on a lot of people's lists didn't watch that show a lot if at all and don't fully remember the theme but when i heard it i was like oh yeah oh yeah okay um Another, uh, a Taxi and, and Barney Miller, excellent songs. Uh, Barney Miller, by the way, was written by the same guy who wrote uh, the theme Night Court and many other themes. And you could see that, that, head, that kind of bass heavy, you know, precursor to the Seinfeld theme kind of feel to it. Uh, but great, just great in different ways. You know, Taxi was a little bit more bittersweet, melancholy, and Barney Miller was, you know, a little, little bassier and brassier. And then you've got Rockford Files, which if you're going to talk about a mid-70s sound that I'm in love with, it's this theme song because it uses hard, like, low-end horns, and then it kicks in with a synth, like, it's the whole thing just comes together so well. And it's no wonder because it was written by the you know, very famous TV composer, Mike Post. And I think this was not his first theme song, but I think it was his first successful theme song or first theme song for a successful show. Uh, and he would, of course, go on to do many, many, many more. I'm going to mention him uh, a couple more times throughout this list. Chips, Derek Estrada, a great song. Odd Couple, dun, 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 you know, and Match Game. When you think of... The kind of smarmy, uh, not so subtle uh, sexual innuendos on that show, that kind of 70s, you know, 
come to my pad feel, there's no perfect, no more perfect song to encapsulate that than the theme to Match Game. And it always makes me smile when I hear it. Uh, I do want that thing that I forgot to mention here before I leave the 70s. Because, like I said, things will pop into my head that I realized weren't on this list. And that is Soul Train. Uh, I can't remember if it started in the late 60s or the early 70s. And I forgot to put it on this list. And I'm real hap- really happy it popped into my head. Because, you know, Soul Train. I mean, every version of that song was amazing. But especially the ones in the 70s. I had to put that in there. Uh, as an instrumental. 1980s, to me, it's probably, and other people have said this, the pinnacle for theme songs being well-known, let's say it that way, you know, where people could just simply sing along to it. And it's also, to me, the decade where theme songs finally and fully just jump the shark. And yes, that is, if you know the history of that phrase, a reference to the Fonz actually jumping a shark when he was water skiing in Happy Days and people saying, well, this show's gone off the rails. Like, it's not what it was. Uh, and, you know, agree or disagree. But to me, the 80s is when theme songs just fully jumped the shark into just being unbearably cheesy in many ways. And yet, if you grew up with that, you remember a lot of those fondly, even if you understand it's just full on cheddar uh you can hear in the early 80s the 70s kind of struggling to die which i think is true of every decade and the 80s eventually taking over in almost too overcorrective a way which i think is true for 80s music in general so much went from that kind of warm dry sound of the late 70s early 80s to that just insanely reverbed big sound of the rest of the 80s and that happened with theme songs too and this is also, I think, the decade uh, pinnacle of explain the premise songs. Like, basically, tell me how the entire show is going to go in this song. And by really by the late 80s into the early 90s, these kinds of songs had run their course. And you'll see that change when we get into the 90s. But I'll make a side note, and I think it's one of the reasons why the movies say anything, late 80s, the Smithereens wrote, I said this in the Smithereens episode, a theme song to this, I'll say anything you want to hear, called A Girl Like You, that was rejected by Cameron Crowe because it it, it, it it told too much of the story. So even he was saying, nah, that idea is going out of fashion. Uh, was it included at the end? It might have been, I don't remember. But that's an example of this happening. So, full. Uh, on Songs with Words, uh, The Fall Guy, Lee Majors, you know, after his $6 million man run, I think. I I did watch that show. I forgot, I think he sang it. And to me, this is a jump the shark moment, like right off the bat. Like just really cheesy, really, really cheesy, but worth mentioning. Uh, Give me a break, Nell Carter. Excellent song, excellent singer. She sang, starting the show, and I think sang the song too. But, and I am going to have a hard time topping this song. If I had to list top five, maybe top three, this one's going to be on there. And that is a song co-written by Mike Post, which is the theme song to The Greatest American Hero. Believe it or not, William Catt starred one of the greatest 
I think one of the top, top greatest song, you know, TV theme songs of any decade ever. And a song that stood in its own that was a chart hit. And uh, if you haven't heard it recently, go check it out. People claim, and I think it's probably true, that people remember the song better than they remember the show. And the show didn't last very long. And it was a really fun kind of before its time show, you know, of that kind of comedic uh, hero, which we'd see a lot of in later decades. But the song itself is amazing. Uh, Followed by or right around the same time, of course, what this podcast subtitle is named for is the Cheers song, where everybody knows your name. I used to play this and sing it when I'd go see my dad play the clubs. He'd bring me up to do some stuff. And I played one of the first songs I played and sang in public was this song, which shows you how much of a TV head I am. And it's a song that, again, was a hit on its own. Uh, Family Ties theme was not originally sung by Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams, but in the mid-first season, that's when it took hold, and or they did it, and they kept it, I think, throughout. What Would We Do, Baby, Without Us? I think that's how it goes, something like that. Great show, great song. Uh, Silver Spoons, this is sort of, because it was early 80s, it, ha- it wasn't quite fully jumping the shark, because it was period appropriate in every single way. And that was the Rick Schroeder, Ricky Schroeder, you know, show, the rich kid or whatever. Uh, it was, it's a song worth mentioning. And then fondly talk about fondly. People still bring this song up reading rainbow LeVar Burton reading rainbow and people have done parodies of it, etc. but always loving parodies. Like it's just one of those songs that you never want to forget. And of course the golden girls, if you want to talk about a song that is self-aware enough to allow the cheese to exist, but still actually good, this is a theme song. This theme song really takes the cake for that. Uh, and and on as a contrast, Growing Pains to me is a is a is to me is a jump the shark moment. Um, but then you have Moonlighting, which had a lot of music in the show itself. And Al Jarreau sang the I think he may have even co-written the song. And it was just a really well done kind of light jazz pop song. Again, uh, you know, could stand on its own. Now, you have It's Gary Chandling show, and he would do other shows after this, of course, but the show that he started in the 80s had a, had, it was one of the first examples of a theme song that was meant to be a parody of a theme song. I think it was very, it was like this self aware meta show, and it was a meta theme song. Really fun to re listen to. Uh, a Different World, which I always associated more with the early 90s, but it started in the 80s. Uh, Phoebe Snow, the original version of that song, It's a Different World, Where You Come From, but the one that's stuck in my head is the one that was sung by Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. is the, That's the iconic, I think, version of A Different World, followed in the more in the early mid-'90s by the Boys to Men version, which was a fun version, too, and they just they felt needed, and, uh, I guess, a stylistic update, so they brought them in. Uh, Perfect Strangers. Written by uh, the team Jesse Frederick and Bennett Salve. Uh, never heard of them and don't really remember the song that well because this is a jump the shark to me. And so is the Full House song, even though I got to be honest, it's a song I still enjoy. And even though I didn't see much of that show, it's so iconically 80s, the Full House theme, also written by the same two dudes, that uh, you have to give it props. You just have to. Honorable mentions for the 80s. 
because again, not original songs for the show. Joe Cocker's version of With a Little Help from My Friends, which was used for Wonder Years. Often, some people of a certain age, when they hear that song, think more of the show than they do of the, you know, when that song was originally released, you know, 15 years before or whatever. Uh, and then Life Goes On, the cast, including Patti Lapone, sang, again, a Beatles song, Oh Bloody, Oh Blada. And that has to be mentioned because it was it was a good way to capture, well, I mean, the name of the show is in the song itself, but it's a good way to capture the essence of the show. Instrumentals for the 80s. And yeah, look how long it's taken to get through the 80s. It's a huge decade for this stuff. Um, Magnum P.I. and Knight Rider, kind of that twin feel. Knight Rider, very electro, like awesome. Uh, Dynasty, which I've heard is, yeah, and I didn't watch that show, but I did watch some soap operas in the 80s, in particular All My Children, and I remember still some of the theme uh, to All My Children. I didn't really include a lot here from uh, theme songs for soaps, partly because they're honestly not all that memorable, you know, but I I think they were worth mentioning. And then you get, again, at least top 10, if not top five, the Hill Street Blues theme, which to me may be Mike Post's best instrumental theme in his career. I loved playing this one on the piano, and it was a big hit song on its own. Yes, an instrumental could be a big hit song, you know. And yeah, I mean, I don't even, I don't even you know, whatever. And then again, Mike Post hits the you know nail with the A Team theme. Very different from this was more akin to a Rockford Files kind of feel, but ten years later, and it amazed. I love the A Team theme because I loved that show. Now mentioning this one, Jeopardy. The show had been around since the '60s, but the 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 song we know, which for many years was only used, it was called Think in that section where they were doing Final Jeopardy, uh, written by Merv Griffin, who produced the show, made $80 million, you know, just from the song itself, wasn't adapted as the theme to the show itself until 1984. There were many versions since then, but from the beginning, you know, it was very electronic and, you know, excuse me, iconic, and you just, yeah, can't, you got to give that props to. Now, big point here, Miami Vice. Jan Hammer, uh, to me, really ushered in the 80s proper with the theme to Miami Vice. It reminds me a lot of the song theme song the year before from the movie Beverly Hills Cop, the Axe Left theme. Because it's, uh, I mean, different, yeah, obviously different feels, but that electronic, you know, the synth kind of sound. And, and the reason I'm stopping here for a sec is because Miami Vice may have been the first show to significantly incorporate pop songs into its soundtrack. Throughout episodes, they would use, I believe, um, In the Air Tonight was the Phil Collins, you know, like some stuff like that. Just so many songs. I think Glenn Fry was in there. Well-known songs, songs well-known before the show, used, popular at the time, huge pop hits of various kinds, creating the mood for that show. And not a lot of shows did it then. And not a lot of shows really picked up and did that much until then the 90s hit. So it took a while for that idea to catch on. Probably a lot because of licensing. But we songwriters and producers are thankful of that because it's a good way to 
make good money, you know, when you get sync placement and, uh, you know, TV sync placement is probably my top priority. Uh, in fact, I did, a, uh, produced and directed and starred in a, and edited a film, uh, a decade ago called dealer. And I modeled uh, it after the shows like Miami vice, but even more so, which is the entire soundtrack to dealer with songs by independent artists, including rec and, but, but including many, many, many more than that. And that was my intention was to be able to create the mood of the show of the movie without having any instrumental theme to it or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Back to the eighties night court to me, bridged again, bridged the gap between the, the theme to KRP or Barney Miller and Seinfeld Star Trek, the next generation. I wasn't on my list. And then I remembered, Whoa, that is to me as iconic as the original Star Trek, because I, grew up with both of them and think that 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 just epitomizes Star Trek that next generation in many ways in the same way that the original does uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles started in the 80s uh, a couple other things that debuted in the 80s and I'm going to mention them here because uh, they did and even though they were more of 90s shows and beyond Seinfeld 89 that you know this the thing with a little bit of horns the bass with the horns and then the simpsons written by danny elfman who has gone on to a huge career in uh, scoring films and some television here and there was originally in the band oingo boingo i think he was a keyboard player i can't remember was you know maybe not the first to do this obviously you know you had john sebastian doing welcome back cotter and some other you know pop and rock stars doing themes specifically written for the show uh, Devo dude, Mark Mothersbaugh did it for Rugrats in the nineties and for many other shows before and since. So I think that's worth mentioning that kind of crossover that was starting to happen more and more nineties to me, this was, uh, in some ways an attempt at a true theme song rejuvenation where they were trying to find a way to create dedicated theme songs with words that weren't cheesy. And yet that was a dying art. And it lost out to the new trend of either minimalistic uh, instrumentals, like if you think uh, Twin Peaks or X-Files or ER, very minimalistic, or, which still happens today, or pre-existing songs. This is the decade. It's not actually not. This is when the use of pre-existing songs started to grow tremendously. So full songs written for the show. I mean, Fresh Prince. Let's just kick it off right there. Saved by the Bell. Never really saw the show, but you know, you can hear how the theme just works really well and is really sort of a more of an 80s feel. But to me, Friends is one of the ones that, you know, was a successful attempt to remodel the story theme song by the Rembrandts, I believe. And I, yeah, again, I can sing a lot of that song, not every verse, but at least the one that was included in the main theme. Mad About You, very different feel, but same kind of thing. Like it was, it was really going for a subtler approach, but trying to create, you know, uh, more character based than anything else, but an actual song. Uh, Baywatch has been on so many lists. I never saw the show. Pokemon, 
gotta catch them all. You you if you don't know that theme, then you have never been around kids or were not a kid yourself during a time when Pokemon was popular. For me, it was I have kids, you know, so they used to watch that show. They have different versions of that, but I think the one that takes the cake for kids shows as far as this era is the Power Rangers, because you have obviously go go Power, you know, Rangers is the iconic one because it was one of the first but for a while it was the same one and then they you know mix it up and do like jungle fury and whatever else every different season had a different theme song i at one point made a, a mix uh cd i think for the kids while we were in the car and we'd listen to like 10 15 you know uh, Power Rangers themes over and over. And I love that. I love the fact that they got somebody to write and record a new song for each season for a certain period of time. Frazier, Kelsey Grammer, you know, singing that and, and that kind of jazzy feel. And then the end song, the toss salad and scrambled eggs or whatever has to be worth mentioning for sure. Uh, but then you've got Primus doing South Park's theme song. Which is, again, now it's starting to usher in the era when indie artists, alt alt artists, were doing themes for TV. And I remember this, in the particularly in the late 90s, but even a little before then, when I started to hear theme songs and incidental music and music included in these shows as being way more contemporary than anything that ever happened in the 80s, except for Miami Vice, which I didn't really watch, that where, you know, you'd often find TV shows to this day, TV shows and films, that try to represent contemporary music in a very poor way. They just they they just don't do it well. Um, it's It sounds like it's written by somebody who stopped and listened to a three songs of that type and then tried to imitate that instead of actually knowing the music, okay? Uh, but the South Park, I mean, you get Primus, which is a perfect mix. And there it is, South Park, crazy movie, uh, and a crazy show that's still on. SpongeBob, another show that's still on. And that started in 99, as did Family Guy. And those are two story songs. And I think two iconic songs, whatever you want to say. And I, I love both shows. Honorable mentions here. Party of Five, which is a show that did incorporate a ton of contemporary music, the used the, the Bodine song Closer to Free for their theme. And when I hear it, the only thing I think of is that show. And it really did kick off the trend of pulling from contemporaneous hit songs. Dawson's Creek's theme, Apollo Cole, I Don't Want to Wait, you know, really sealed that deal, really brought it home. And then in the late 90s, uh, the Sopranos knocked it out of the park with Woke Up This Morning by the British band, Alabama 3, funny. Uh, and a song that works well, I think, frankly, because it's the theme. And that's the main reason why. Instrumentals for the 90s, Twin Peaks, which is very looking forward-looking 90s. Beverly Hills 90210, which is a very backward-looking theme. X-Files, uh, similar to Twin Peaks in the hauntingness. Law and Order, again, like an updated version of a Dragnet, but much shorter. ER, uh, that that subtle, subtle instrumental. Uh, I put Beavis and Butthead on here only because when I hear that riff, which was Mike Judge wrote that too, what else are you going to think of? And even the reboot, 
uses the same one, but I think re-recorded. Honorable mention here, and why I'm wearing this shirt, one of the reasons, Daily Show's theme from the beginning was a song by Husker Du's Bob Mould called Dog on Fire, which was then recorded uh, after I think John Stewart came on, was re-recorded by this band here on my shirt, They Might Be Giants. So you have two of my favorite artists doing versions of a theme song for one of my, especially at the time, one of my favorite shows. And they still use that theme. I don't know what version it is, but yeah, just a great like pre-existing song theme. Uh, 2000s is the pinnacle of honorable mention as far as decades go, because most of the songs mentioned uh, here and used, this was really the trend of using pre-existing songs exploded. It was the height. It was the absolute height. That said, some non-pre-existing songs, again, they might be giants, wrote the song Boss of Me, I think it was called, for Malcolm in the Middle. You're not the boss of me. Uh, When one of my, at the time, I had loved this band for over a decade, and then they do a theme song to a show that I wasn't sure I was going to watch. I was like, I'm going to watch this show, and I watched the whole thing, and I love that they did that. And they went on to do a lot more themes, especially for kids' shows like uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and stuff like that. Um, yeah, t- and then, which brings me to the fact that there are a lot of well-known kids' themes in the 90s, uh, I mean, sorry, in the 2000s, especially for Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. Uh, the tops to me would be I Found a Way, which was the Dra- uh, co-written by Drake Bell for Drake and Josh. And that's a, I just think that's a great-sounding song and a great song on its own. And I know Drake Bell's got his problems or whatever. And I, I, you know, don't know exactly what happened to his career. I think Josh Peck has had a more successful career in his chosen field, which is acting. Uh, anyway, Hannah Montana's theme song, Miley Cyrus. That's so Raven done by Raven Simone. Kim Possible is an iconic animated theme song as is Phineas and Ferbs. So, and if you're going to say 2000s animation, one of my top favorites Asheru did a song called Judo Flip for the the animated show The Boondocks, which if you don't know that, um, I guess it's a comic and also, or is it maybe just, I'm not sure, uh, an animated show, please look it up. Regina King did the main voice. Absolutely amazing, or one of the main voices. I, I mean, just incredible, the song itself and the show. Psych, fun show, fun song, written by one of the creators, I think, of the show. And I think it's also sung by and performed by his band. Um, But then that gets me to the section, honorable mentions. Uh, I saw the Gilmore Girls used a song called Where You Lead by Carole King, which was redone by Carole King for the show. Updated, redone. I never saw the show, but I've heard uh, great things about the show and the song. Scrubs used the song by Laszlo Bain called Superman. I'm no Superman. Um, Pre-existing. Smallville used a Remy Zero song called Save Me. You know, that's a show that used a lot of contemporaneous music. Uh, Tom Waits' song, Way Down in the Hole, for The Wire. Excellent show. Five seasons, and I believe every season someone else... Uh, did the song. I think Tom Waits was the second season and then whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, started in the 2000s, I know, and it's still around. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I had to look this up because I love that song. It's as cheesy in a good way as the song to uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, which 
of course, is, you know, if I haven't mentioned it yet, I damn well better because that's would be the decade for it. And that is Heinz Kiesling's Temptation Sensation. Sensation. That's the name of the song. Now I know it, but it's always sunny. Just it really sets up the show perfectly. Um, Community used the song called At Least It Was Here by the 88, which I always love that show and I love that song. And then you have uh, Bare Naked Lady song for Big Bang Theory, uh, Gavin DeGraw song for One Tree Hill, uh, one for the OC, How I Met Your Mother, and way, 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 way more pre-existing songs that were actually very well done. And the big one there would be the whole CSI franchise who very cleverly use all songs by the who won't get fooled again, Baba O'Reilly, who are you? And then briefly for CSI cyber, I can see for miles, which is later than the two thousands, but still worth a mention here. Do you see what I mean? They're preexisting, right? And yeah, stick around people. This is a mega episode and it's meant to be, uh, instrumentals for the two thousands curb your enthusiasm. Uh, again, perfect, perfect for the show. Uh, Survivor, very well done. I think that composer ends up doing a lot of things for uh, sci-fi shows too. Six Feet Under, Haunting the Office, 30 Rock and Parks and Rec just set up the shows perfectly and are so fun. Lost, again, kind of a minimalist haunting. And then the honorable mention in this decade here for instrumental would be Mad Men's theme done by uh, RJD2, which I actually didn't watch that show, but I listened to that theme song and it's incredible. It's, uh, it's probably, you know, it's as incredible as the show, but it's an incredible song on its own. And then we get to the final section here in the 2010s and beyond. Uh, uh, the weirdest and funkiest time for theme songs. They go everywhere and anywhere. They use both uh, wonderfully written original songs and wonderfully used pre-existing songs. Uh, the animated show Adventure Time is a big one. Kimmy Schmidt's uh, just a funny, funny, funny and really well done theme song. New Girl, cute and clever. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is probably one of the heights because Adam Schlesinger wrote the music for all of those shows until he died. And the theme song is included in there. Reggie Watts did the theme to Key and Peel, And that's as bizarre as well, many things that Reggie Watts does and just infectious. It's infectious. Listen to the whole thing. Honorable mentions for full-on songs with words. Uh, the Greenback Boogie for the show Suits by I'm a Robot. Or Ima, I guess I'm a Robot. I don't know. Probably I'm a. Um, perfect song for that show. Really sets up the tone. And it's the only way I would have heard that song, which is true for that show a lot. They use a lot of uh, contemporaneous music, including a song that I can never seem to forget, which is by this band, We Are Augustines, which are now called Augustines. It's called the Chapel Song. And look it up. Uh, when I heard it in the episode it was in, it was it, it it so affected me that it became one of my favorites. And that kind of goes towards what my dad has always said, which is that a song in a movie or TV show usually makes a greater impact because of the context it's in. You know, it gives you. It's like sort of like music video, but even more so because there's an, even more of a story there and you're wrapped up in the characters. And so, boom, when it affects you, you, you never forget it, which includes this short-lived HBO show, How to Make It in America, from about a decade or more ago, by Aloe Black's I Need a Dollar. I never knew that song. The show comes on, I hear that song. And again, that's one probably in my top 10, uh, at least honorable mentions as far as theme songs that really, really work. Same with the second season of The Leftovers, Iris Dement's Let the Mystery Be. 
The song paired with the visuals for the opening of that show is, I think, the only show where I never fast-forwarded through the opening credits because it's the most goose-bumpy opening sequence, I think, ever in the history of uh, television. Melancholy, bittersweet. Oh, man. But if you're talking about top 10, top 5 for pre-existing songs, you got to go with the theme to What We Do in the Shadows uh, which is by, apparently, Norma Tanega, folk singer. Uh, it's called You're Dead, and it's from 1966. It sounds like something that could have been done in the 80s, and the 90s, whatever. It's incredible, and if you don't know the show and you don't know the song, then you have a problem and you need to go seek it out. Instrumentals for this uh, recent decade and now, Stranger Things, Bob's Burgers, I think one of my top favorites, The Minute. I saw the first episode and then first heard the theme to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I knew I would never miss an episode. Everything about that song is perfect. Just absolutely perfect. It's a 70s throwback with a modern twist. Game of Thrones music is, uh, to me, almost as good as John Williams' music. Uh, Succession has a funky, awesome uh, theme. I don't watch the show, but I love that theme. And Downton Abbey. That, that's that kind of a throwback feel again. But beautiful, just a you know, really well done theme. Like I said, I'm sure I missed a lot. That really ends what I can do as far as listing what I see to be the you know standouts for every decade. And I want to say I left out commercials because that's a that's another episode entirely, which I may or may not do. Jingles make such an impact on our lives to the point where we don't even realize things that we remember from even decades ago that came from commercials. So there's that. Um, Then you have like, well, yes. So let's get to the final two sections. One is, here are my ultimate favorites. It's not a short list because I couldn't shorten it very much more than that. Twilight Zone, Peter Gunn, Flintstones, Monkeys, Brady Bunch, Sesame Street, Y5O, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Johnny Carson, Olympics theme. The Jeffersons, Welcome Back, Cotter, Love Boat, Muppet Show, Sanford and Son, Rockford Files, The Odd Couple, Match Game, Greatest American Hero, Cheers, Knight Rider, Hill Street Blues, The A-Team, Friends, Power Rangers, South Park, SpongeBob, Family Guy, Daily Show, Malcolm in the Middle, Drake and Josh, Psych, The Boondocks, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, of course, an exception because pre-existing, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Office, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, How to Make it in America, another exception, Leftover Season 2, another exception, What We Do in the shadows another exception brooklyn nine nine and downton abbey let me know what your favorites are and finally to the end of this episode stay tuned for the featured song which is a theme song it's a theme song i wrote for a serialized film whatever you want to call it it was a uh series of shorts that was compiled into a film called Lockload love but there are shorts that kind of stay on their own. They do tell a, a story with an arc. It's sort of like a mini series in a way, but as short as a film, you know, I forget how many sequences there are, but I wrote a theme song, which was sort of hair metal inspired. You might want to call it. It's the opening track on uh, the compilation album. I just recently put out called it wasn't me. And the song itself is called lock load love. Uh, and it really was one of those. It's a convergence of, the subject matter matched the type of song I wanted to do, which was slightly comedic, over the top, but also heartfelt and genuine and with with a lot of, you know, force. And it gave me a chance to sing in a way I hadn't really sung before. And that's it. Are you are you even into TV theme songs? If you're not at this point, you've just tortured yourself for an hour. Are there ones that to this day that you can still sing or hum? I guarantee you there's probably at least 20 
Do you think that there was a heyday of TV theme songs? Do you agree with what I said were the heydays of the various kinds? How does my favorites list compare to your list? And how much popular music have you discovered through watching TV? I got to tell you, every year I put songs on my playlist that come from TV shows. So I know there's a lot. I want to hear all of these things because, as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you for hanging with me for this mega, mega, mega episode. Stay tuned for the song Lockload Love, and I'll talk to you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.